The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. series right now called New Song Normals, and what we're doing is we're talking about the normal things that we want to have as a normal part of our culture that are really kind of abnormal to the world. There there are things that we want in place in our culture as a church that are really, a lot of these are counterculture. But but we know this, if we can work these things into the culture of our church, these things that we want to do can have the power to help people to change, to help bring freedom to people, to impact lives and and really make a difference. And so uh, if you were here last week, we talked about the new song normal of health. We want to be a healthy church. We want to have healthy systems. We want to to process what we're doing in ministry from a place of health because, because healthy things reproduce, right? So if we can create healthy systems and healthy structure, it's going to lead to to production and reproducing, which is going to lead to more people being saved and affected by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we talked last week specifically about uh, something that is championed throughout scripture when it comes to health, which is the idea of rest, that God has called us to, yes, work hard, but he's also called us to rest well. To have moments in our life where we pull away, where we disconnect from the, from the work life, from the regular life that we're living, and, and in faith to trust God and allow him to minister rest to us so that we get, can then move into our work life empowered from what he's done in our rest. And so we said this last week, we said that God at the center of six is better than me at the center of seven. So if you missed last weekend, I want to encourage you, make sure you go back, listen to that message. I got a lot of really great feedback from people within the church that had no idea that this was a thing and and it really helped them. So make sure you check that out. You can also watch at newsongpeople.com slash watch. Today, I want to talk to you about the new song normal of transparency. Everybody say transparency. Transparency. And when I talk about transparency, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being real. We want to have a culture in our church where people can be real. They can be real about what's going on in their life. They can be real about the questions that they have, be real about the frustrations that they're experiencing, be real about the sin that they're struggling with. They can be real because because here's the truth. I want you, if you're taking notes, jot this down this morning. God can't bless who you pretend to be. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. To be. God can't bless like he wants to a fake version of you. God wants to bless you. He wants to help you. But if you're being fake, you you tie the hands of God to minister to you the way that he wants to. And you know, we live in a very fake world, don't we? Like there's a lot of fake stuff going on. In fact, you could even say that a lot of the people that are kind of The people that are put on a pedestal in the world that we live in today, if you think about politicians and actors and and, and musicians and comedians and, and all these different people, a lot of them, we all know that they're kind of living a fake life. And we hear about things that are going on in their life all the time that lead us to believe that, that what you see is not so much what you get with that person. And yet, in the world that we live in today, we aspire for what we see in them sometimes. And, and, and we, because what we see in them is we see fame and, and we, we see the fortune. We see what we see and what we see we think we want. What we see we think is good. 
In fact, I, I, was, I was reading as I was preparing for this message this week, and I came across this company. This is the craziest thing. It's a company that actually exists, and their business model, check this out, their business model is they make you feel famous for a day, okay? So, so you go on their website, and they have these different packages, and, and depending on how much money you're willing to spend, uh, you hire them to come and make you feel famous, and so they'll, they'll surround you with paparazzi, with security guards, they'll give you a limousine, they'll have a publicist with you, and they'll walk around with you for a day and pretend like you're famous. And there's videos, this is the craziest thing, there's actually videos on YouTube of people and they've got this going on and what's crazy is how the community like reacts to it. Like people see them and they think, oh, it's a famous person. And so people will literally go up and act like they know who it is. And it's just like John Smith. And they're like, oh, you know John Smith? Yes, I love John Smith. John Smith isn't a real person. But they're like taking selfies with him and cheering him on. And it's totally, totally fake. This is the world we live in. You can have a business that makes people feel famous and it be successful. And people will follow you around and pretend you're famous just because they're that desperate to be around fame and fortune. And we see, I read this week in a stat that they, they took... Uh, in this poll, they took a thousand kids from six to 17 years old, so kindergarten basically through high school, and they asked them the question, What do you want to be when you grow up? This is a recent poll that was taken. You know what the number one answer was? A YouTuber. People want to be a YouTuber, not a doctor, not a lawyer, not an athlete, a person who makes slime, and other people watch them make slime. This is what people are aspiring to be. But really what they're aspiring to be is famous. They want people looking at them. They want people noticing them. Uh, we live in a culture that looks good at looking good. We live in a culture that, that likes to pretend, likes to be fake. But here's the thing. The culture may look good, but they ain't good. And we know this because statistics speak to this, like... People are more depressed than ever before. More people are committing suicide than ever before. Uh, more people are going to the doctor for diseases and sicknesses that are rooted in stress and anxiety and fear than ever before. In fact, 20% of, of people in our population suffer from anxiety disorder. And yet, you look on social media and it sure looks like everybody's doing pretty good on Instagram, pretty happy. Because we, we've learned to like publish our highlights and we get on Instagram and we take photos carefully, right? <laughs> At the right time of day after everything's been plucked and everything's good to go. And we, 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 get, we get in the Photoshop and we, we, we fix things and make things look skinnier and, you know, we filter it and do our best. We live, in, we live in a world where we say statements and it's like accepted, fake it till you make it. Like that's a real statement that we're just kind of like, yeah. Sure. <laughs> the problem is faking it ain't going to help you make it. It really isn't. And, 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 and so what, what happens is because of that, we have a tendency. What that, what that culture creates is it creates a culture where we say, okay, if that's what we're aspiring for, then I got to hide what doesn't equal that. 
And so what we end up doing is we take these areas of our life that aren't our best angle, that are a little messy, that are a little ugly, and we, we hide them away and try to cover them up, and, and we create these little prisons where we try to hide that stuff because we, we don't want anyone to know. And it's not just something that's going on in the world, it's actually something that's going on in the church. I can't tell you how many times that I've heard about someone that, you know, my, my team comes to me and they say, hey, you know, this is going on with this person. And if you look on the outside, you'd never know that there was anything wrong. But, but then you hear, oh my gosh, you're, you're kidding me. They're getting a divorce? They're, they're separated? He, he was doing what? He was addicted to what? And you're kind of going, what? Why didn't they say anything? I can't tell you how many times I've gone to our team and I've just said, I wish they would have just let us know. I wish they would have just let us in. Because now there's, there's damage that's been done and sometimes it's gonna take a long time to recover. Whereas if they would have just let us in, we, we, could, have, we could have helped. Here, here's a question for you today. It's a very real question, but it's important. What's healthier, your image or you? What's really healthier today? The image that you put out there to the world or really you? I think we gotta ask ourselves this question and the reason why this is important is because fake is dangerous. See, when we're fake, we're selfish because we're so concerned with what other people will think. Our focus becomes all on ourself and we're trying to cover up us and we're trying to cover us. And so, so we, we build these walls to try to protect ourselves, and it actually keeps us from our purpose. It keeps us from relationships. It keeps us from God. Because see, these walls that we build that we think are, are, are protecting us, they're actually, all they, all they end up becoming is barriers that keep us from the people God wants us to be walking with to help us, they keep us from the purpose that God has for us in our life, and they keep us ultimately from God. Okay, so I want you to know something this morning, all right? God loves you. Like he really does love you. And he loves you right where you are. I also want you to know this too, just so you know, God sees through the fake you. And he still loves you. He loves you where you are, and he loves who you can become through him. But he really does care about you. And he's looking at your heart today, and he wants to help you if your heart's broken. He wants to help you if your heart's confused. Look at, look at this verse with me. First uh, Samuel 16, verse 7. It says, man looks at the outward appearance Man looks at the outward appearance. The world looks at the outside. We're, we're man too, so we look at the outward appearance. But look at what it says. But the Lord looks at the heart. God cares about the real you. He cares about what's really going on. He wants to help you there. He wants to help you at that level. He loves you right there, and he wants to help you there. And so Proverbs eleven twenty says this. It says, the Lord detests those whose hearts are perverse. Now, that's a, kind of a strong sentence there. But let me explain that to you a little bit. It, when it says detest, it really just simply means he doesn't like it. He doesn't like this. And then it says perverse. And that word perverse uh, means deceitful. But, it, but we think of deceitful as like someone's being fake to trick other people. And yes, that's true, but, it, but, there, but, but the idea is that we're deceitful to trick other people because we don't want them to know what's really going on. 
We're trying to trick people and make them think we're better than we are. And God says, I don't, I don't like that. Don't do that. He goes on to say this, but he delights. In other words, it makes him happy. This is what makes him happy. How many of you want, to, want God to delight in your life? I know I do. He delights in those whose ways are blameless. Now, blameless there doesn't mean that you're perfect. It actually means that you're whole. It means that there's a wholeness to your life, that your life isn't divided up into a bunch of little sections. You're not living one way over here and one way over here, but there, there's a wholeness to your life that when people look at you, that, that what they see is what they get and what they see is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what we, that's the goal. That's what we're working towards. That's what we want. That's what we want to partner with God and with his church to accomplish. First Peter 2 says it this way. It says, so put away. Everybody say, put away. Okay, when it says put away here, it, notice it doesn't say, I will put away, it, it, referring to God. It says put away, which means who puts it away? We, we do. We're the ones that have to make the decision. Now, when you make the decision, God will partner with you in doing it, but you have to make the decision. I'm going to put away what we're about to read about, okay? And what it's going to say, put away all malice and all deceit. And hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Two words I want to kind of hone in on. The first one is that word deceit. Deceit means falsehood or being fake. So once again, God says, hey, put that away. Quit being fake. And then it says hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. That word hypocrisy is the, is the Greek word hypocrito. And, and what it means is this. It means the acting of a stage player. Now, when this verse was originally written, like this spoke volumes to people of the day, because in the Greek culture of the day, uh, they didn't have Netflix. Like you realize that, right? In the Bible, like they didn't have streaming services that didn't exist. They didn't have, they didn't have Spotify. They didn't have these things. So if you wanted to, to like engage in entertainment, you would go to a play. And when you went to a play, uh, there were a lot of different actors that were acting within a play. You'd have kind of the main characters who were kind of playing one role, but then there would often be a character who would play multiple roles. And he was normally a really good actor because he could play a lot of different roles. He could play this, whatever the scene required. And so what he would do is, uh, in the scene, he would put on a mask and he'd put on a costume and he would, he would play the scene, and then he would go backstage, he'd put on a new mask, a new costume, and then he would come out, and he would play a different character for another scene. And he would do this three or four, maybe five times, switching roles all throughout the play, fulfilling the role that the scene required wearing a mask. And this character was called the hypocrite. That's where we get the word hypocrisy. It was the person that would basically step into whatever scene they were in and would put on a mask and be fake and play the role for the scene. God says, don't do that. Because sometimes we live that way, don't we? We wear masks and we step into different scenes and we act this way with this group and this way with another group. We're the hypocrite. We're being a hypocrite. And God doesn't want that for you. And here's why. God can't bless who you pretend to be. God can't bless you, and he can't bless others. God can't bless people through you if you're pretending to be the wrong person. He can't do that. And so this is why transparency is so important to us as a church. This is why we want to have a culture where you can be real and you can deal with those things. See, write this down. Transparency equals transformation. And that's the goal here. 
When I talk about transparency, I'm not just talking about you just being able to be real and talk about what's going on, but you never move anywhere. You never move past that stuff. You just continue to live in the same rut that you've been in. That's not the work of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be transformed into the image of Christ. Every year of your life, you should be able to look back and say, I'm more like Jesus than I was last year. I'm working towards that. That's my goal. And, and transparency is a way that can lead to that kind of transformation. It's a way for us to partner with God where we need to. And it's a way for us to partner with his people, with the church, so that it can lead to the transformation God wants us to have in our life. Transparency. So, so let me talk about this a little bit more, okay? Let me give you the definition of transparency. I looked this up this week, Webster's Dictionary. Here's what transparency means. I'm going to give you the Webster's Dictionary, and I'm going to give you the, the Josh's New Song Dictionary version of this, okay? So let's look at Webster first. He says this, transparency is having the property of transmitting rays of light so that bodies can be seen through. So it's, it's being transparent so that light can shine through. So fine a texture or open, everybody say open, open open in mesh as to not conceal what lies beyond. There's an openness to this that allows what's on the other side, what's really going on to be seen. Easily detected, perfectly evident, guileless, free free from pretense. In other words, not fake. Okay, that's the Webster's Dictionary Transparency. Now let me give you the new song version. Having the ability to have Jesus shine through your life because no hidden issue obstruct his inner light. Christ didn't use the hope of glory. And what we want to do is we want to deal with whatever could be obstructing Jesus from shining through your life so that he can affect and minister to other people in this world so that you can be who God's called you to be and be light to the world around you. Concealing, here's the second one, concealing no secret inner sin or problem area so as to appear spiritual but allowing the real you to be seen. Remember we said there's an openness. You gotta be open with your life. You gotta be open with what's really going on. Free from all pretense and quick to admit error. You're not being fake. And when you're not being fake, it's easy for you to be able to admit when you're off, when you're wrong. So this is the goal. This is what we want. This is the kind of culture we want to have within our church. This is the kind of culture you need to have within your home. You need to have in your relationships. So let's talk about how we get there, okay? I want to give you three be reals that you need to have taken place in your life that will help lead you to transparency. Here's the first one. you got to be real with yourself. Be real with yourself. If you don't come to terms with where you need to change... And where the work of God needs to take place in your life, you will not experience the power of God to change in that area. In order for you to experience the power of God to change, you have to own that there's some stuff in you that needs to change. If you can't get there, it ain't going to change. You got to be real. Like this needs to change. Paul talked about this in, in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 5. He says this. He says, I will boast only. Everybody say only. only. I will boast only about my weakness. Now that's like, that is a very counterculture statement to the world we live in today, isn't it? I'm going to boast about my weakness. This is like waking up in the morning first thing and rolling out of bed and taking a selfie and posting it to Instagram. <laughs> this is me at my weakness. Like we don't want that. We need some time. We need a blow dryer. We need a spray tan. Like we need some help, right? We don't, we don't want that. 
But here's the thing. Paul actually recognizes something that you need to see. When he talks about boasting in his weakness, the reason he says that is because Paul actually recognizes that his weakness is his strength. Because it's in his weakness that the power of God can display itself most effectively. So actually, his weakness becomes your strength. That area you find yourself wanting to hide away, that you're afraid of, that you say, oh, that's, that's me at my, at my worst, that actually has the potential to be God at his best. Look at what it goes on to say here. God said to me, verse 9, my grace is all you need. Check this out. My power works best. Everybody say best. Yes. My power works best in weakness. So that, that place where potentially you feel like you're at your worst is potentially where God can work at his best. That's some good news. Verse 10 says this, for, actually say this next part with me. When I am weak, then I am strong. So this, I mean, again, this feels like not how we think, right? But this is kingdom culture. This is kingdom mentality of saying, okay, this is where I'm weak, but this is also where a perfect God can display his perfect power in my life. So actually, where I'm weak is potentially where I can be super strong. But you cannot have that strength of God unless you're willing to own where you're weak. Unless you're willing to admit, okay, this is where I'm weak. I I struggle with my temper. I I struggle with, with lust. I struggle with addiction. I struggle. This is, this is where I'm weak right now. I recognize I, I'm, I'm struggling with fear. I recognize I'm, I'm weak here right now, but I pray that, God, you, you would move in here. I, I recognize that, and I'm inviting you, Lord, to come and to minister to me in this place because I know that your strength can be made perfect in my weakness. I love how the Amplified says it. It says, my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. So we gotta be real with ourselves. We gotta be real. This is where I need help. This is where I need to change so that then God can move in that area where we need God, his help and his power. Second area you need to be real with is you gotta be real with God. And I think we struggle with this one sometimes because we think, well, God, he knows. Like, he knows what's going on. I don't really have to talk to him about this because he already knows. But I want you to know today there's something about you being willing to verbalize from your mouth what's going on that empowers God to move in your life. You gotta talk about it. You gotta share it. You gotta say. You have not because you ask not. You gotta, you gotta speak. There's something to this with the Lord. It's the way he, he set it up. There's a legality to it. Let, let me try to illustrate this, okay? Uh, I want you to imagine something with me. This is just an illustration. I'm not trying to say this about you, but I want to, you to imagine today that you find out you have a debilitating disease, And this disease is going to impact the quality of your life. And this disease is is going to, if not treated, it's going to do damage to the relationships. It's going to cause a distance to start to take place between you and other people. And and, and if not dealt with, eventually, it's going to kill you. So you find this out. And then you find out that you have a friend who had the same disease. But you find out, someone tells you, you know, they had that and they they got cured of it. And so you call them up and you're like, hey, I heard that I just got this prognosis and I heard that you had the same thing. Is that true? Like, yeah, I did. But I went to this doctor and, and I, I went through the treatment and I'm cured. It's gone. I'm totally free from it now. And you can go to the doctor too. And so they give you the information and you call up the doctor and you make an appointment. 
And finally the day comes and you show up at the doctor's office and you go through the whole thing. You're in the waiting room waiting. You go back into the little room. You're sitting on that little crinkly paper waiting for the doctor to come in. And the doctor comes in and he or she walks in and they, they see you and they say, okay, how, how, can I, how can I help you today? And you just, just look at them. You don't say a thing. The doctor says, well, are, are you experiencing any pain? What, what, what are your symptoms? And you just don't say a word. The doctor's looking at you like, what, what? Okay, um, listen, if I'm going to help you, you, you have to talk to me. And you just, just look at them. So eventually they say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I guess I can't do anything for you. And they, they walk out. And you go get in your car, and you're driving off, and you're mad. I can't believe that, doctor. <laughs> How dare them? I, I know that they've got the cure. I know they've got the treatment. I've heard of the, there have been many people that have been helped. But why didn't they do it for me? What, what's wrong with me? We all know if you don't confess and talk to the doctor about what's going on, the doctor can't minister the treatment to you, right? We get that, right? Okay, I, I want you to recognize something today. There's a disease that exists in this world called sin. And it's a debilitator that will kill. The Bible says that, it, 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 that the wages of sin is death. So it leads to death. And it will debilitate your life. It'll mess up the quality of your life. It will hurt you. It will separate you in relationships. And ultimately, if not dealt with, it will kill you. And you will experience eternal separation from God. The good news is there is a cure. There is treatment that you can receive. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood. He rose from the grave so you can be set free. The work has already been done. But here's the thing. For you to receive of it, you have to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. The Bible says you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. You got to say that you need help. And there are people that will go to hell. Even though Jesus died to free them from sin, they will die and they will go to hell because they never submitted to God's ways of doing things. They were never willing to call upon the name of the Lord and receive the salvation that Jesus suffered so they could have. We gotta confess, we gotta talk. In fact, the Bible says this, First uh, John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, what does it say? He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to know today, God is faithful to forgive you and cleanse you. He's faithful to do his part, but you gotta do your part. You gotta confess, you gotta talk. And we see this in, in the life of Jesus. I was reading this week, Mark chapter 10, we've got the story of Jesus and, and blind Bartimaeus. You guys remember this story? Bartimaeus is blind. Everybody say blind. blind. Dude can't see, all right? Can't see a thing. He hears that Jesus is walking by and he starts to make some noise and he's kind of having an uproar to the point that people are like, bro, chill out, like back on off, like you need to calm down. Jesus hears this and he says, what's going on? And they tell him, he says, well, tell him to come see me. And so the Bible says that Bartimaeus like throws open his cloak and he runs over to see Jesus. He's blind, people. And Jesus is in a crowd. So like picture this. He's having to run through the crowd, bumping into people, probably falling down, stumbling, having to have people lead him up until finally he's face to face with Jesus. And this is fascinating. Mark 10, 51. Here's Jesus' response after this guy has just worked his way up to him. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Like, this is one of those times that, like, you could say, uh, duh, Jesus, like, he's blind, right? 
Some of you are struggling. I just said, duh, Jesus. But, <laughs> but here's my point. Jesus knew. He knew what was going on. He knew what the guy needed. Jesus knows what you need right now. He already knows. He's all-knowing. He knows, okay? But he wanted him to verbalize it. Why? Because it was important to him receiving that his mouth and his heart aligned with the need of his life, and it was verbalized to God. That's the legality. God knows where you are, but you got to align your lips with your heart and declare to God, God, I need you. So listen, listen, you can go to God and you can be real with God. God's okay with you being real. I would highly recommend that you're reverent in doing this because he's God and you're not, okay? But you can be real. Like you can talk to God and say, God, I don't get it. Why them and not me? Why did they get healed and I didn't? Why, why, why am I struggling with my kids and they, they're not? What, like you can be real. God's okay with your questions. And it's when you're real with God that he can begin to minister to you in those places and begin to reveal and show you some of what he wants to show you. But you gotta be real with God. You gotta be real with yourself. You gotta be real with God. And here's the third thing. You gotta be real with others. You gotta be real with others. You have to make a decision in this fake world that we live in today that you're gonna, you're gonna forego the fake you're going to forfeit the filters, you're going to drop the Photoshop, and you're going to be real with the people around you. Paul said it like this, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, I'll boast only about my weakness. And if you look at the life of Paul, I love Paul. I can relate to Paul. I look at Paul, and he, man, he was real with people. He wasn't just a guy that went around preaching all the time. He was a guy that would live life with the people he was preaching with, too. In fact, it says this in 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, talking to the church at Thessalonica, he said, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. He shared his life with the people he was doing ministry to and with. He shared with them. And, and as he shared with them, he would like be real with them, like really real. real. I'll give you one example, 2 Corinthians 7. There's several places we see this in scripture, but 2 Corinthians 5 Verse seven or, or seven, verse five, he's talking to the Corinthian church and he's talking about some of the frustrations he's dealing with. He says, when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. Here's what he's saying. I was tired. I was worn out. I wasn't feeling so good. He said, but we were harassed at, at every turn. People were being mean. People were, they were being mean to me. That's what he's saying conflicts on the outside, stuff going on the outside. Look at this, fears within. He said, I was afraid. I, was, I didn't like what was going on. I was, I was dealing with anxiety and fear. Look at what he says. But God who comforts the downcast. God comforts the downcast. You're downcast today. I want you to know God wants to comfort you. And I want you to look at one of the ways God does it. He comforted us by the coming of Titus. He comforted me through a relationship and then it goes on to say this, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given. So he's saying this, you, the church, comforted Titus, and Titus comforted me. So he's saying, I was downcast, and I received some healing through relationship. And, and, and this is important. God wants to heal you through relationship. He wants to, to allow you to heal other people through relationship. But you're going to have to be real. You say, well, Pastor Josh, you know, I, I just struggle with that. I like my privacy. I don't like letting everybody in on everything that's going on. 
And I get that. And I want you to know, like, we're not going to force you to do this because we can't, okay? You're only going to be as transparent as you choose to be. But what I see far too often is people who say, I want my privacy, end up living in their own little private hell because they, they won't be real. And so they, they don't get help where they really need help because they won't be real. You got to be real with others. Now, listen, I'm not saying you got to be real with everybody, okay? Please hear me. I do not want you going around this church from henceforth just blabbing about every issue and every thought that goes through your mind with every person that you see. <laughs> I, I read this week about this guy who, had, who was going to Bible college, and uh, he had kind of learned about this transparency stuff, and he wanted to be real with people. So he walked into class the next day and started going up to girls and saying, hey, I need you to forgive me. I've been lusting over you a lot. Don't do that. Like, that's a bad, don't do that to other people. You're dealing with that. Go talk to your buddy about that. They'll help. Don't go to the girl. They're going to be like, dude, I'm calling the police. Like, yeah, not good. So I'm not saying just talk about every little thing with every person, but you need some people in your life that you trust, that you care about, that you're connected to. Maybe it's in a small group and maybe it's in a serve team. Maybe it's just in community here at the church in some way that you can go to them and you know that they love you and you know that they care about you. And you say, well, how do I know if they really love me or not or if they really do care about me? It doesn't seem like they really do care about me. Then believe them. They don't care about you, okay? You know who really cares about you. Quit trying to get the people to care about you who can't care about you or who won't care about you. And, and let me also say this too. It may not be that it's not that they don't care about you. It's maybe that they can't. Like, like I couldn't care for every need in this room. Although I care about everybody. I love all you guys. I pray for all of you guys. But I can't meet the need of every individual in here and be that person for you. That's why we're a church. We can connect with a lot of people at our different levels that can help us in this. And you need some people in your life that you can get real with, that you can go to them and say, hey, here's what's going on with me. And I know you care about me and I need you to help me in this area. And through that, God can heal you. He can minister to you. James 5.16 says this. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Wow, right? Yeah. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but this verse says we confess to our brothers and sisters in Christ so that they can pray for us and partner with us so we can receive the healing. Some of you have been forgiven, but you can look at your life and say, there's some areas where I, I don't feel healed yet. And it's through relationships that God wants to minister some of that healing he wants to bring to your life. He wants to help you. He wants to, he wants to bring strength to you. And not only that, there's some of you that God is calling you to be that for someone else. See, God doesn't just want to minister to you. He wants to minister through you. He needs you. That's why you're still here, okay? You're here to be light and to, and to minister to other people. In fact, look at this verse, Matthew 5, 14. It says, keep open house. What do you think about an open house? An open house is welcoming, right? You ever been to an open house? It's welcoming. You feel like they want you there. The lights are on. You can go anywhere. It tells us we need to keep open house. We need to have some people that that's, that's how we're living with them. We're keeping open house. We're generous with our lives. Now look at this. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. You being real with people and open with people could lead to somebody else experiencing a relationship with God that they've never experienced before. 
It could lead to them being willing to open up to God and experience all the freedom that God wants them to experience in their, in their life. And, and I say this, and I, I want to champion this in the culture of our church because I have experienced this firsthand. In my life for years, I was so fake. Man, I was good at being fake. You would have never known. I was a preacher's kid. When you looked at me on the outside, I looked like I had it all together. I knew what the Bible said, but I had a bunch of areas in my life that I was hiding and I didn't want anyone to know. They were messy, they were ugly, they were embarrassing. And so I hid all those things away and I was living in my own prison. My privacy was my prison. And I would lay my head down at night and I felt like a total fraud, a total phony, and I hated it. I hated it. And finally, I got real. I got real with God. I came to God and, and, and really owned that I needed help. And then I got real with some people. I got real with my wife. I talked to her about these embarrassing, painful areas that were hard to talk about. I got real with some people in my life that loved me and trusted me, and or, or that I loved them and, and trusted them and knew that they wanted to help me. I got real, and guess what? I, I began to experience the real healing of God, and I experienced the real freedom of God. And God took areas of my life that at one point were were these prisons of pain and he turned them into platforms of power that he could minister through. And I remember, I remember getting that point where I was like, God, I hate, I hate what I was dealing with so much. I want to help other people. I don't want anyone living like that. So God used me. And I remember thinking about that. And I remember God speaking to me and saying, okay, but you're going to have to be real. You're going to have to talk about that stuff. And I said, okay, God, just give me a chance. And it was funny because then all of a sudden, Opportunities started presenting themselves. I find myself just in a conversation, and this is this is like you know not a pastor. This is just like in my life, years and years ago. I find myself in opportunities where I'm talking to somebody, and you know we're kind of beating around the bush, and I finally am able to go, hey, you know, here's where I was, and I start sharing like this is where I was, this is what I was doing, and I was I'd let them know like where I came from, and it was amazing how often I'd have people go, man, thank you, I'm I'm there, I I totally get it. And, and then those opportunities kept growing and God would put me in front of men at men's conferences and, and all of a sudden I'm seeing God take that thing that at one point was a weakness and now it's a strength that's, that's now a place of strength that God is ministering to people through. And I, I believe that God wants to do that for you. I believe God's looking for people that are willing to say, okay, God, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. I don't want anyone to experience what I experienced, so I'm willing to, to help people step into freedom. So I'll talk about it. So you, you could be the person that you're talking to somebody and you say, you know what? I know what you're going through. I, I went through a divorce and it was hard and I was broken hearted and I felt betrayed and I felt like God was a million miles away, but I, but I turned to God anyways and he healed my heart and turned everything around and I, I know he'll do the same thing for you. And maybe God will use you to be the person that goes, you know what? I know what it's like to be addicted. I was addicted to drugs or I was addicted to alcohol or I was addicted to pornography or I was addicted to all of it. And God freed me. And he loves you just as much as he loves me. And he'll do the same thing for you if you'll, if you'll really walk it out with him. Maybe you're the person that says, I was molested when I was a kid. I know what you're going through. I felt betrayed by people that were supposed to be the ones who loved me the most. And, and it hurt. But God came along and he healed me. And he freed me. And he helped me to forgive 
And, and I've got a whole new life and a new perspective. And I, I believe God wants to do the same thing for you. I believe, church, that God wants to take that prison of pain and he wants to minister to it. And he wants, if you'll be willing to be transparent and be real, he wants to minister to it. And then he wants to surround you with people that can help you experience the healing he has for you so that you can live a real life. God can't bless who you pretend to be. And God can't bless the people he wants to bless through you if you're pretending to be someone else. We gotta be real. We gotta be real with ourselves. We gotta be real with God. And we gotta be real with others. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? I invite you right now, just take a moment and just, just be quiet and just ask the Lord, Lord, what, 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 what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me today in this message? Lord, I pray that you would just speak truth and life and healing to our church. I pray, Lord, that we would create a culture in our church where people can receive everything you have for them. Lord, help us to be real. Help us to come to terms with where we're weak and we need your strength. Help us to be real with you and help us to be open and real with honest, and honest with the people around us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.